Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. An air raid siren in Kiev. This is the Global News Podcast from the BBC World Service. I'm Jackie Leonard and we are recording this podcast at 12 o'clock GMT on Thursday the 24th of February 2022, the day that Russia launched a full invasion of Ukraine. We'll be hearing from Kiev, from eastern Ukraine, from Moscow and from experts and analysts explaining what's happening and reaction to it. Russian troops have launched an invasion by land, sea and air on their neighbour. Armoured columns entered Ukraine from the east, the north and the south. Missiles were fired at airports and military installations, while Russian troops are reported to have landed in the ports of Odessa and Mariupol. Welcome, everyone. That is what everyone in the world is talking about today. That is the horrific situation that is currently playing out on our television screens our phones, our iPads, as we watch Russia invade Ukraine and we see war, death, and destruction occurring before our very eyes. Now, I cannot speak for you, but as for me, I have been up pretty much all night watching this unfold. And every minute and every second that passed by, I found myself getting upset, found myself getting emotional as I see war breaking out, seeing death, seeing destruction, and trying to even think about all the possible implications that could arise from what is playing out. So on this Thursday, February the 24th, 2022, we're going to spend some time thinking about this, hopefully from a biblical and theological perspective. Now, I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located right here in Ovalo, Texas. And this afternoon, once I packed everything up and decided to drive here to the church, as I was driving here to the church, I kept asking myself, okay, the situation in Ukraine, it's crazy, it's disturbing, What is the responsibility of the church? What is the responsibility of a Christian podcaster on this day that's going to be remembered in history books as the day Russia invaded Ukraine? This is going to be a day that's going to be remembered. What should the church be doing today? What should I do as a Christian podcaster? Do I just get to the church? Do I just walk in, turn on the microphone and just act like, you know, that that's not even occurring and just talk about all the other things I could talk about. Maybe do a Bible study, maybe do this, maybe do that. I mean, I guess I technically could do that, but we always talk about the church being salt and light. And we sometimes reduce this idea of salt and light simply to be like, well, be salt and light. And that means don't go to these movies and don't talk this way and don't dress this way and don't do this and don't do that. But I think being salt and light is more than just maybe a, a, a list of behaviors. I think being salt and light is that, we, that as a church and as Christians, we speak 
to what is going on from a biblical theological perspective. We offer a perspective in the midst of a world where there is confusion, darkness, and we provide salt and light as we can provide truth. We can provide a biblical perspective and answers. And so many times when it seems like there's chaos in the world and there's confusion and everything is going wrong, sometimes I don't feel like the church offers salt or light. Either one, we just ignore the situation and go about doing what we want to do. Or two, we end up basically acting like the world in the midst of the difficulty. In other words, the world is fighting and debating and arguing and, and this and that, and the church just begins to act the same way. So we're not being salt and light. It's like, why look to the church? They're engaged in the same nonsense we are. So I just feel like that today would be a day that as Christians, we, we need to be salt and light, that we need to address this from a biblical perspective. So as I was driving here, just thinking about, okay, so, so what do I do? What do I do? I, I pulled up in the parking lot. I, I walked around. I opened the door, and, and it's, a, it's a cold, gray, just dreary day here in West Texas. We've had an ice storm uh, recently. It's, it's, you know, it's just now finally getting up to 29 degrees. So we just had this, like, already kind of just a depressed feel in the air. And then I keep my mind replaying all of the horrible things going on right now with Russia invading Ukraine. And I'm just thinking about it and thinking about it. So I'll pull up in the parking lot. I get out of the car. And as soon as I open the front door of the sanctuary and I walk into the church, of course, all of the lights are off. It's dark and gray outside. And I, and I shut the door behind me and I'm just standing there in, in the sanctuary. I'm standing here in the middle of the sanctuary and it's just dark. And I'm just like, that, that's what it feels like right now. It just feels dark, feels discouraging. So, so what do I do? So I came back, I turned on the lights. I, I went back to the car, brought in all of my podcasting equipment, brought in everything, came back here, set it all up. And then I was like, what, what, what do I do? What do I do? Because, I mean, we, we have to discuss it. And then I thought, you know, well, wait a minute. Let me see what everyone else is doing today. Let, let's look at what's going on uh, uh, you know, in the world of Christian podcast and, and Christian sermons, because I bet you all kinds of people are already addressing this. So I grabbed my iPad, I picked it up, and I opened up the Edify Christian podcast app, the Edify Christian podcast app, and I went to my subscriptions. So here's the latest of all the, and I subscribe to hundreds and hundreds of podcasts on the Edify Christian Podcast app. So I'm going to just go through and start reading to you all the different podcasts that dropped today. So on February the 24th, when Russia invades Ukraine, there's war, there's death, there's destruction, and there's lots of uncertainty. Like, you know, oil is over $100 a barrel, and there's discussion of how gas prices could go five, six, seven dollars a gallon. There's discussions about food prices could go crazy. There's, there's discussions. Okay, if, if Russia takes Ukraine, what does Russia do next? What, what does that mean? Are we, get, are we looking at a World War III? Like, there's all kinds of questions and concerns. And, and the news media, of course, it's wall-to-wall coverage. And the world's talking about it. So, so obviously Christians and the church, I mean, we're going to be salt and light, right? We're going to say, no, no, listen, we'll, we'll discuss this. We'll, we'll give you a biblical perspective. So here, here's just, I'll just give you what's going on in the Christian podcasting world. All right. So these are all podcasts that have dropped within the last four to five hours. All right, here we go. Here's the first one. The 10 Plagues. 
Part 5, The Third and Fourth Plagues, Lice and Flies. All right. Next, American Americans censor themselves for China. Next, good works, perseverance, assurance. Next, uh, why must he also be true God? Next, five marks of a jealous heart. Next, worth it. Next, shattering the biggest lies about sexual purity. Next, Paul's prayer for abounding love. Next, for his name's sake. Another one, independency, supporting churches. Another one, David's deathbed challenges. Next, Jesus and 1 Samuel. Next, uh, let's see here, um, Tylenol or arsenic. Uh, James, faith in real life. Uh, let's see, what else do we have here? Uh, we've got nominal Christians, uh, gospel compassion, discovering God's blessing in your life, the art of contentment, when darkness is called light and light darkness, part one of two, the church in Babylon. Numbers chapter 24, verse 15 to chapter 26, verse 65. Surrender, trolling a seminary. Th- those are all those are all the podcasts. Not, I mean, literally, absolutely nothing about this situation. Nothing about the situation, no biblical perspective. I mean, it's like if the world right now was like, man, what is going on? And they're like, here's the Edify Christian podcast. What are Christians saying about this? Oh, I guess nothing. So, so I'm like, okay, well, that's the Edify Christian podcast app. Maybe all of those podcasts were recorded earlier and they, they, were, they were scheduled at a later time. I'm, I'm like, I know what I'll do. I'll go, I'll go to the brand new Sermon Audio app, Sermons 2.0. I'll go there and I'll just go to my feed. I'll look at all the things that I uh, subscribe to on Sermon Audio. All right, so what do I have here? All right, I have the marks of a powerful church. Praying. All right, now that that could be related. I mean, praying, I mean, if you think of anything that could relate to what we need to do today, that, that would make sense. Praying. Let's see, what else do we have here? We have the first and the last. Five marks of a jealous heart. Do as I have done. Roundtable. Christ-like in conflict. Moses. 38,000 U.S. truckers headed to Biden's State of Union address. Your foundation, your future. Looking at Jesus. By faith, love beyond degree, degree, the sovereignty of God, the freeness of salvation, how to behave in a world that is misbehaving. So nothing, literally nobody's addressing it. No one's talking about it. I'm like, okay, well, let's go, let's do this. Let's go to newest sermons. Let's go to newest sermons. All right, those are those things in my feed, but let's just go to newest sermons and that'll broaden the search for anything being posted on sermon audio today. You see, we have the fig tree. Uh, We have Christ our Passover. We have small steps to greatness. Instruments in worship. Oh, wait, someone did address something. I don't know how long ago this was, but someone just posted a little while ago, Russia invades Ukraine. So that's awesome. Someone did address it. Uh, Our God is love. Paul travels to Rome. The prayers of the Roman saints are answered. What is the fig tree? When God seems like an enemy, God's rest. Uh, hour, six hours of congregational singing. Fellowship through obedience to Christ. The regulative principle of worship. The divine message. A survey of the divine covenants. The millennium. Promo video. I don't know what that is. Uh, the Lord is on our side. Luke chapter 7. The millennium again. The Christian's personal fellowship with Jesus Christ. 
justification, particulars, and timing. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of those sermons, and I'm not saying that they're not needed, and I'm not saying they're not needed today. What I'm saying is, but where is the church in the midst of such a crazy situation that some people are afraid is leading us to World War III? When the world is looking for some kind of answers, what, what, what is the church providing? Now, I could just turn on the microphone, and I could handle it like, here's the latest information, right? I, I could go back and, well, I could, I could go back and continue to play things like this. Ukrainian officials say there have been fatalities. Many people are trying to flee. The Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, has declared martial law. In a defiant news conference, he appealed directly to the Russian people, saying they were being lied to about Ukraine, and he urged them to do their bit to de-escalate the situation. Now, I could give you the latest information and I could I could tell you about this and that and where Russian troops are at, where where different explosions have occurred, what what areas Russia, the Russian forces have already taken. I could go through all of those details, but that information is readily available everywhere. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with talking about that information. I'm not saying there's anything wrong. But again, I just feel this need that we need to talk about this from a biblical theological perspective and, and try to offer maybe some sense of hope, some sense of answers in the midst of what appears to be crazy, dark, and confusing. Now, someone just said, who's currently, I think, listening to the live broadcast, maybe they're not, but they, they just said this, not sure about the rest of you, but the bulk of what I'm seeing from church folk on social media is the end is near, these are the signs types of things. Why, which I can't imagine this is anything different than what the world has seen for its entire existence. Okay, so what a lot of people, I guess, on social media, what they're seeing from Christians is, this is the end, this is, this is the end. Now, that happens every time there's conflict. Everyone thinks, oh, it fulfills this biblical prophecy, the end is near. So even then, is that really being salt and light? Is that really providing any answer? So I just feel this absolute burden that I spend some time coming to you from the middle of nowhere, Texas, to try to get us to stop and think and consider this from a biblical, theological perspective. That's why this is called Theology Central. Let's make theology central to Russia invading Ukraine. Let's try to understand this. Let's try to provide some salt and light to anyone and everyone. Let's try to pr provide some biblical hope and answers to anyone and everyone. And hopefully this will, uh, hopefully God will take what we're about to do and use this for his purpose and his glory. And maybe there, maybe there's only one person. I don't know who they are and I don't know on which platform they may hear this, but maybe this will be greatly beneficial to them. If it only helps one, then maybe maybe it's not even to help anyone else. Maybe this is just for me to process this because I have been up all night watching this. And I, look, it bothers me. I, I guess the only, the only Christian discussion I've heard is on the way here to the church as I was 
thinking and trying to figure this out. I did turn on Christian radio for like about two minutes. And all I heard when I turned on American Family Radio is that this is all Joe Biden's fault. He's the reason this is happening. He's the reason this this is proof that Joe. And it was like it was like, okay, we're going to yell about Joe Biden. I'm like, so I'm I'm turning on Christian radio. And all I'm going to be told is how Joe Biden is a really horrible president. And he's to be blamed for everything. There was no theology. There was no Bible. There was no salt. There was no light. There was politics. And imagine that the church in 2022 can only respond to what's happening from a political perspective. So I want to try to, I want to try to actually speak about it, remove the politics. And we're going to go look at some scripture and think about this. And I hope, and I know that was a long intro and I apologize for that, but I'm going to try to move through this carefully, specifically. I'm going to try to be precise And hopefully you'll find this to be beneficial. War. We are watching a war unfold in front of our very eyes. We're watching a country invade another country. There's death, there's destruction. Will it lead to a broader war? I'm not here to make predictions. I'm not here to even pretend that I'm an expert on the geopolitical realities between Russia, Ukraine, Europe, and everything else going on. I'm not, here, I'm not here to get into all of that. But when we consider war, I want to look at it from a theological, biblical perspective. And I'm going to provide, I'm going to try to give you a, a kind of a three-point outline for you to just put your thoughts in. All right, here's what I want you to write down. I want you to write down the reality of life, cause of war, and hope in the midst of war. Or you could say this, the reality of war, the causes of war, and hope in the midst of war. The reality of war, the causes of war, hope in the midst of, of war. I, I'm changing my outline live on the air because I have the ability to do that, all right? The reality of war, the causes of war, hope in the midst of war. Let's start with the reality of war, and you know where I'm going to go. We're going to go to the book of Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes. Now, if you're not familiar with the book of Ecclesiastes, let me just make it very simple so that you understand when we open up Ecclesiastes what we are reading. And a roundabout way, we're reading someone's journal. We're reading someone's diary. Here you have a king, and he's trying to figure out what's the purpose in life? What's the meaning of life? Because everywhere he looks... Under the sun, as he looks at this life through his physical eyes, as he sees the reality around him, only thing he can come up with to describe life is meaningless, 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 vanity of vanities. It's all vain. It's all meaningless. It's a, he's very, it's a very depressed, discouraged, cynical view, but that's what he sees when he looks at the life under the sun. And you have this really beautiful, powerful section in chapter three. A lot of people rip the verses out of context, but let's look at what he says here and just try to understand what, how this fits into his overall pursuit of trying to find out what life is all about. He says this, Ecclesiastes chapter three. To everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. To everything, there is a season, there's a time, and there is a purpose under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, 
a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. Now, a lot of people will go there and then try to make arguments about, see, it's a time to kill and then make an argument for for war or, 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 you know, a time to dance. You know, I'm going to try to make an argument for dancing. People just jump and do crazy things. This is simply the, the, the writer of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, basically doing this. No matter what happens in life, everything that happens in life, every, everything that happens in life that, that it is common to our existence. There is, that in every life, there's going to be good and there's going to be bad. There's these contrasts that appear in every life. Good, bad. It can be from joy to mourning. If it can be from killing to loving. It can be from war to peace. It can be from planting to harvesting. All of those things are a part of the human existence. It's all there. There's a time and a season and a purpose in it. But all of the, it's not about trying to pick one of these things out to use it to justify something. He's just trying to say everything that we experience in this life, everything that that life encompasses the, how can we say this? Life encompasses the contrast that we experience. There's great contrast. There's great, there's great fluctuation in our experiences from good to bad. And it's all a part of life. And that involves war. War is a part of the existence of humankind. If you go through all of that, humans have experienced, just read the story of human history. We see birth. We see death. We see planting. We see harvesting. We see killing. We see healing. We see breaking down, we see building up, we see weeping, we see laughing, we see mourning, we see dancing, we see casting away stones, we see gathering stones, we see embracing, we see refusing to embrace, we see getting, we see losing, we see keeping, we see casting away. Everything there we see, that's the story of human existence. It's all there. Now, if we look at all of that, Just from our human perspective, we may draw the conclusion, it's all meaningless, meaningless, it's vanity. And guess what's a part of all of that human existence? War. War is a part of human existence. If you've ever studied history, sometimes all you do after you've studied, you were in a history class, you walk out, what did you learn in history? Well, I learned that this war started at this uh, on this date and ended on this date and it involved these countries. Sometimes all you remember from the study of history is the study of war because the study of human history is a study of war because humans engage in war and killing and taking and breaking down. And, but at the same time, there's times of peace and building up. But war is present throughout human history. It's a reality of life. Now, listen, I understand that when we are confronted with that reality, it brings up very, very, very deep philosophical questions. And the church should not hide from these questions. Because when we see the suffering and the death and the destruction, we may say, where is God? And I understand that we, should, we shouldn't be afraid of asking that question. 
Right now, I'm not here to try to provide an answer of where is God. I'm trying to make sure you understand that war is a reality of life. It's always been, and it always will be until the end. So for some Christians, anytime a war breaks out, they're like, that's it. This is proof that Jesus is coming back tomorrow. There's been wars going on the entire history of humanity. And obviously not every war is proof that Jesus is coming back tomorrow. It's a reality of something else that we'll talk about. But for now, I just want you to understand war is a reality of life. The reality of war is that it's a reality of life. It's just a part of life, not a pleasant one, a horrible one, but it's there. Another very important passage, Mark chapter 13. Now, I know this one has all kinds of implications to eschatology, and I know its primary application is 70 AD. I'm not here to get into all of those discussions, but I want you to see what is said here. Mark chapter 13. Jesus has asked some questions, mainly pertaining to the temple that was standing at that time which was destroyed in 70 AD because, oh yes, another war. Someone came in, invaded and destroyed. See, it's been going on forever, right? That's all the way back to 70 AD. But Jesus answered and said unto them, all right, take heed lest any man deceive you. This is Mark uh, chapter 13, starting at verse five. Take heed lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. And when you shall hear of wars, and rumors of wars, be ye not troubled, for such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. When you hear about war, understand this, this must happen. It's going to happen. Wars happened before 70 AD. Wars were going on leading up to 70 AD and wars have continued after 70 AD and wars will continue until the end has arrived. It's a reality. It's a constant reality. He goes on to say, for a nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be earthquakes in diverse places, and there shall be famine and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. The reality of life is there's going to be war, there's going to be pain, there's going to be suffering, there's going to be pestilence, there's going to be disease, there's going to be death. It's a reality. And listen, I understand it raises all kinds of questions about where is God and why do these things occur? I understand that. But let's make sure we, we under, we, we, this is so very important. Whether you have a theistic perspective or an atheistic perspective, these things are still a reality. Now, from an atheistic perspective, they've got to explain why it's a reality. Because in many cases, they operate from the perspective that people are basically good. Well, if people are basically good, why is human history filled with war, invasion, killing, murder, rape, molestation? Why is it filled with that? Why? It's a reality. It's a horrible reality. I wish it did not exist. I wish right now people were not dying in Ukraine. I wish right now that we knew for sure that the war is not going to spread and more countries are going to get involved. I wish right now that I knew that gasoline wasn't going to go to $7 a gallon. I wish that I could say right now that I wish that food food prices are not going to go up, but I can't say any of those things. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that it's a reality. I know it's a reality. So there's the reality of war. But what's the cause of war? I want you to really, really, really think about this. The causes of war, as I was trying to just process this all last night, 
And as I was watching it all unfold and I was listening to the reporters and they were, they were reporting explosions in different parts of Ukraine and, and, they were, and I was just getting all of these different reports in. And I'm like, man, this is horrible. Now, I understand theologically it's the reality of life and that these wars are going to continue until the end is here. I understand that. I don't like it. It still makes me ask deep philosophical questions about why God, where are you, God? We, we can struggle with that. If, if I was an atheist, I still would still be struggling about why do these things keep happening? But I kept coming to this. I may not understand everything God is doing, but I do know the ultimate cause for war. This is very important. I've tried to teach this principle over and over and over on this podcast. Whenever something happens in the world, I don't care what it is, war, problems, a pastor falling into sin, doesn't matter, scandal, I don't care what it is. Try to learn this principle. Don't look at the situation like a window that you look out of, you look out of the window, you look out and you see all of these people doing this and doing that and doing this. And then you run, you, you, you run back into your, your house, you grab your soapbox, you go run outside because you've been looking out the window, looking at it. You run your soapbox out there, you stand on the soapbox and you're like, listen to me, everyone. He's wrong. He's a sinner. She's a sinner. They're wrong. They're wrong. They're wrong. And this is my opinion on this and this and this and this. And you go run out. And what you want to do is just, I guess, I'll make sure you give your moral judgment upon everything, condemn everyone and tell everyone how it's all going to play out. And we do that on social media and everywhere else because we tend to look at everything going on almost as a window that we look out of and then we're going to run out there and give everyone our opinion. I'm not saying it's wrong to give an opinion, but what I'm saying is what we first need to do is not see it as a window, but look at it as a mirror. Whenever you hear about what's going on, what do you learn about yourself? So as I was watching Russia invade Ukraine on live television at two in the morning, watching it all go down, I started thinking about the causes of war. And then I realized the very thing that caused the war between Russia and Ukraine, the very thing that caused Russia to invade Ukraine, that very same thing is inside of me. And it's inside of you. And I, I, I had to grab my notebook and write down James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 1. James chapter 4, verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you. Now, I know this has a historical connection and I know it's speaking to specific people, but there's a broader principle here that I think is very applicable. Where does fighting and war come from? Whether that war and fighting is something grand and big, like one country invading another country, whether it's a world war, a civil war, whether it's a big war or if it's just a fighting and the bickering that can happen between people in churches and denominations and in your own house, in your car, on the way to church, where war and fighting, no matter how it manifests itself, whether it manifests it where people are dying or whether it's just, in a sense, people are being killed by your words, where you're destroying each other with your words and your attitudes and your thinking, wherever it shows up, what's the cause of it? 
Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members. The external wars that we find ourselves in that sometimes we instigate, sometimes we start, they are the result of an inner war and that inner war is the war of your lust, of your sinful nature that, that motivates you to lash out, that motivates you to seek your rights, your will. You demand what you want. You don't care about anybody else. It's about me, 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 me. No matter who gets hurt, you don't care. You want your way. The very thing, the very lust that motivates one country to invade another country, the very thing that motivates countries to fight over oil or land or resources or whatever they're fighting over for power, for money, for, for influence, whatever, to, to spread their kingdom, whatever, in, that, the very thing that influences that is present inside me and you. Because that same war is there. Look, we saw this during the pandemic. Here's a global pandemic, a global pandemic. How should we respond as believers? And what did we see? Oh, we wanted to fight and we wanted to argue and we wanted our rights and we demanded our rights and we weren't going to do this and we weren't going to do that. And it all became about us, 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 us. Instead of looking for a way to be salt and light in the midst of the confusion of a pandemic where the world could look to the church and hear the things of God and hear the gospel and hear biblical theology, the church wanted to play games and argue and fight about our rights. Because it's, it's a war inside of us that always screams, get your way, get what you want, take what you want, demand your rights. It's about you. It's about you. It's about you. Your way is right. Your way is thinking. Fight, take, destroy. That's inside all of us. Think of it this way. Two brothers, two little, two little boys, maybe, you know, they're eight, they're nine, seven, ten. Two little boys, they come to you, they're brothers. And they're like, hey, mommy, daddy, why, why is this war going on between Russia and Ukraine? I don't understand. This war is stupid. Why are they fighting each other? Why don't they just stop fighting? I mean, well, there's no reason to fight. It's just dumb. You know what? That would be very profound. And you'd be like, you're right. It is dumb. It is stupid. I wish they would just stop. You're absolutely right. But then you kind of want to get down on your knee and look them in the eye and go, you know what? How come you and your brother fight? How come you, you, when they get something, you get upset and you want to take from them and you don't want to share and you argue and you bicker and you fight with one another and you fight for your own way? Why do you do that? Well, the reason you do that is the exact same reason there's war everywhere because there's a war inside of all of us and it's our flesh that wars with us and it pushes us to demand and to fight and to destroy and to get our own way. That's the cause of war. The cause of war externally is the war inside of you. The, the very thing that causes you to fight with your husband, with your wife, with your kids, the very thing that causes divorce, the very thing that destroys churches, the very reason denominations fight and bicker and split. It all comes from inside of us. When I see the war between Russia invading Ukraine, I see the very war inside of me of my own lust and, and the very thing that has caused me to do stupid things and hurt people and 
hurt the name of Christ and destroy myself. It's in us. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members. You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. We don't want to ask God. We want our way. We want it now. We want it the way we want it, when we want it. The cause of war is inside every person. And you may not invade another country. You may not cause world war. But think of all the arguing and fighting and bickering that you have with other people. Think about how it shows up in you. That's the cause. I have to move on quickly. I don't, I won't have time to read this, but we all know this. Jeremiah 17, 9. Jeremiah 17, 9. We all know this verse. Everybody knows Jeremiah 17, 9, right? The human heart is desperately wicked, deceitful above all things. War is the result of the human heart. War is the result of the war inside our members. It's that lust. It's that desire to get our way. That's the cause of it. It's inside all of us. So war, it's the, re- the reality of war is it's the reality of life. It's always going to be. It was, it is, it will continue until the end. That's depressing. That is discouraging. What's the cause of war? It's the cause of external war is the internal, internal war of our lust dominating and moving us to get our way. And think about it. We think of this, how many of your actions is basically an invasion to take what you want and to get your way and to get your will. All of our fighting and arguing usually with family is because we're invading in a sense to get what we want. So there's the reality. There's the cause. Now, where's, where's, where's hope? Is there any hope in all of this? Is there any hope in all of this? Just be patient. I'm going to try to move quickly, but I've got to really, this is where I really want us to get there because everyone should acknowledge the reality of it. Hopefully now I've given you an actual biblical understanding of the cause of it. I've seen all of the discussions about the causes of war and why Putin wanted uh, to take uh, Ukraine. There's, There's lots of things that go back into church history all the way to 900, nine, uh, 988 uh, AD and basically the rise of the Greek Orthodox Church. There's all so many things we could get into there. And maybe this is like his version of spreading Christendom. And there, there's all kinds of reasons. And, and he wants it for this reason. He wants it for this reason. Or maybe Ukraine's the, the bad guys and Russia's the good guys. I've seen all of those discussions. The real reason is the inner war inside all of us. Putin's got the same sinful desires that you have. He just has the control of, a, of an army. You use, you use everything you have to get your way and your will, and he's using, well, his army to get his way and his will. Now, but what's the hope? Is there any hope in the midst of war? Well, if I look at it from an earthly, remember what I said about Ecclesiastes? If you just look at life under the sun, 
and you see this contrast in life. Oh, there's a time to kill, a time to mourn. You see just there's good, bad, good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. You may come to the conclusion that it's all vain. It's all futile, meaningless, 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 meaningless. You may see all of the pain and suffering that's going to ensue in this invasion of Ukraine. And you may find yourself depressed and discouraged and feel like there's no hope. And you may have all kinds of questions. But the only way to find hope is that we have to see it differently. If I look at it with my physical eyes, all I'm going to see is a physical reality. And that physical reality is going to make me lose hope. It's going to discourage me, fill me with worry and anxiety. And it's going to make me say meaningless, 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 meaningless. So I cannot see things with my physical eyes. So this is what I did. I grabbed my notebook and I simply wrote this. I need the eyes of faith. We have to see what is happening through different eyes. And that's the eyes of faith. And so immediately I ended up in Hebrews chapter 11. I know you know the passage. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It is faith that gives you the substance of what you're hoping for. You hope for something better. You hope for war to be over. You hope for death to be over. You hope for pain to end. You hope for there to be no more famine. You hope that there's no more starvation. No more women beaten uh, by their husbands. No more women raped. No more children molested. You hope that that bosses would, would handle themselves in a correct way. You have all these things. You hope for something better. But if you look at it with your physical eyes, all you see is the reality of pain, suffering, injustice, war, death, disease, failure. People letting you down, people betraying you. But faith is the substance of those things you hope for. If, if you, if you want to see the substance of what you're hoping for, you can't look with your physical eyes. You have to look with eyes of faith. Faith shows you the substance of what you're hoping for, but it goes beyond that. Faith will give you the evidence of what is not seen. If you're, if you're looking for something, if you want to see what you cannot see, if you want the evidence of what you cannot see, you need to see through the eyes of faith. If I look with my physical eyes, I see one country invading another country and there's death and destruction with the potential of spreading to a world war and who knows what's going to happen to food, gas prices and everything else. If I see it with my physical eyes, that's what I see. But what do I see if I see it with eyes of faith? I see evidence of something else. If you want to see the substance, if you want to see the uh, evidence, you've got to see, you've got to have a new pair of eyes, the eyes of faith. And where do the eyes of faith take us? Well, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're, we're going we're gonna to see this play out in a, in, a very, in a very real way, in a very specific way. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. For we know 
Oh, we know something. Now, how do we know this? We don't know what he's getting ready to describe with our, our physical eyes, only with the eyes of faith, because we know something. We have the evidence. We have the substance of what he's about to talk about. What is the evidence and substance he's going to point us to? Because we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved. Now, I know that if my physical body was to be destroyed, if my physical body is blown up, burnt up, if it just, if I just die, I know something, not by physical eyesight, but by eyes of faith. What do I know? I know that if my, if this, if this earthly house, my body, this tabernacle is dissolved, that we have a building of God and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. I know that there is a, and you can think of it a couple of ways. I know that if this earthly house, in other words, if the entire earth burns up, there's something beyond this earth. I know that if this body that I'm currently living in, it burns up, there's something beyond this body. For in this we groan. We groan now on on this earth. We groan. We, We long for something different. We long for something better. We long for the suffering to stop on this earth. We groan because there's, the earth is subjected to pain, suffering, death, disease, plague, famine, storm, war. In my body, I groan because my body is subjected to, to age, pain, disease, suffering. I talk about it all the time. I, I feel the groaning in my body because of the seizures that I have as a result of what happened to me in the military. I feel that all the time. The neurological things, it messes with my thinking. It messes with my ability to, to convey what I want. I, I, I hate having all the seizures. I hate, hate, hate. I groan for something better. But guess what? I can't see the better with my physical eyes because the doctors tell me, look, there's nothing we can do for your seizures. They're never going to go away. I mean, the doctors have been blunt. That's probably going to be the thing that kills you. Right? There's nothing you can do. When I go through those periods where there's all kinds of seizures, man, it messes up your thinking, your personality. It just, it just has profound impact. I groan for something better, but I can't see it with my physical eyes. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so, that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. When, 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 when we, what we're looking for, hoping for, the evidence, the substance is something that we cannot see. In other words, when this body is gone, I'm not going to be left without anything. No, I'm going to have something. Look at verse four. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not from that which not from that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. In other words, we groan, but, but we're looking for something that's going, to, that's going to not just leave us without anything. We're, we're looking for something of substance. We're looking for the evidence of something. And look what he, he goes on to say. Now he, that is, now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given us therefore the earnest of his spirit. Therefore, we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. We know that, that as long as I'm in this body, I'm I'm absent from the Lord. We know that. We can feel that, but listen to this. We are confident. And I say willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. We, We know 
We can see by faith that when I'm absent from this body, I will be present with God. But I only see that by faith. That, that, that faith gives me the evidence. It gives me the substance of that. Therefore, right in the midst of those verses, we read these words. Verse 7, I skipped it. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. It's only by faith that we see that. By sight, I'm like, I have a body, I'm going to die, and I don't know what happens. Uh, oh, death, destruction, that's the end. That's what I see with my physical eyes. But with my spiritual eyes, I'm like, you burn up this, the world is destroyed by war, there's something more, there's something else. All of us die, there's something else. There's an eternity. There's an, a, a, a new body, which I will not experience the groaning and the pain. But I've got to see that with a different pair of eyes. And that's the eyes of faith. Now, where, 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 where do I, okay, that, 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 do I just look di- from a different perspective? No, there's something tangible that gives me hope. And this, what tangible that gives me hope is what happened 2,000 years ago because God himself took upon human flesh. And he came in the person of Jesus Christ. John chapter 16, verse 33. John is warning them that some really bad things are going to happen. Everything's going to go really bad. But he says this, or Jesus, if I said John, Jesus is warning them in the gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you. That's Jesus speaking. The eternal son of God, that ye might have peace. Listen, uh, these things I have spoken unto you that in me, you might have peace. Now, we look at the world and it's not at peace. We look at the world and we look at our circumstances and it's storms, it's troubles, it's earthquakes, it's difficulties. And we want peace. And sometimes we think the way to find peace is by removing all of the circumstances. Well, if I can fix that circumstance and fix that circumstance and fix that circumstance, then it will be peace and all my worries and all my anxiety and everything will go away. And I'm telling you that is not true. You can fix everything. You can have the perfect marriage. You can have the perfect church. You can have the perfect life, the perfect job. Everything is perfect, but there's a war still going on. And we read that in James 4. It's a war inside of you. And that war inside of you will not grant you peace and will literally lead you to sabotage the things that are great in your life and to destroy it. It will almost like, no, start a war. Go invade something. Destroy something. The only way to find peace is not at the removal of all problems. It's to find peace in Christ. The only way to find peace in the midst of a war is really not even the ending of the war, which yes, we want the war to end, but you can end all wars and we'll still not be at peace because there's war inside of our members. We have to find the peace in Christ. Christ is where we find hope. But we only see that hope in Christ by eyes of faith when we put our faith in him. And the reason we can look to Christ is because of this. Listen, uh, John chapter 16, verse 33. These things I've spoken unto you that ye might have peace, uh, that, that in me, we cannot skip that part, you might have peace. In the world, you shall have tribulation. Okay, there's the reality. In the world, there's going to be tribulation. There's going to be war. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. 
The reason I can find peace in Christ is because he's overcome the world. Now, sometimes what we think is, well, he's overcome the world. Well, then he can fix everything. Like, okay, Jesus, if you've overcome the world, why is there a war right now between Russia? Why is Russia invading Ukraine? If you've overcome the world, why is there pain, suffering, rape? Why is there all these horrible things? Well, we may never get an answer there, but we do know this, that when I stop looking at things from uh, physical eyes and I put on the eyes of faith, I realize he has overcome the world. And in what ways has he overcome the world? This is very important, all right? We got to go through these quickly, all right? We just have a couple of things to go. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51. Remember the principle. If you see things with your physical eyes, no hope. If you, if you see things with your physical eyes, you think the way to find peace is by getting rid of all your problems. But I'm telling you, you, if you see with the eyes of faith, you realize there's a war going on inside of you. You'll never find peace. You have to find the peace in Christ. Why can you find peace in Christ? He's overcome the world. How has he overcome the world? Well, he'll, let me give you just one example. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now, again, Eyes of faith, I see that. Eyes of, uh, my physical eyes, I'm like, wait a minute. No, when it says we don't, uh, we shall not all sleep, he's saying we shall not all die. My physical eyes like, no, we're all going to die. Every single person's going to die. I drive past the cemetery every time I leave the church or anytime I come to the church. Everyone's going to die, right? But my eyes of faith, I'm like, no, not everyone's going to die. We, we, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Everyone's not going to die, and w- but we're all going to be changed. We're all going to be transformed. Wait a minute. Let's continue. In a moment, and the, twinkling, and the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Not only are we not all going to die, those who have died are going to be resurrected, and they're going to be transformed and changed. I cannot see that with my physical eyes, but by faith, I have the substance and evidence of that. For this corruption, our body must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So then the corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Now, what do I learn? That I am going to be changed and my immortality is going to put on, my mortality is going to put on immortality. My corruption is going to put on incorruption and death is going to be swallowed up in victory. I cannot see that with my physical eyes. All I see is the corruption and the mortality of human bodies and people dying in the midst of an invasion. I don't see death being swallowed up in victory. I see death is, do, is the dominant force in the world. But by faith, I know that Jesus has overcome the world and Jesus has overcome death. How did, and continue reading and you'll see this. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth, giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have complete victory in Christ. Victory over death. 
I don't see it with my eyes, but by faith, because he's overcome the world. Christ overcame death. In him, I have peace because in Christ, I have immortality and I have victory over death. Even if I am to die, no matter how much death occurs in this world, it's already been defeated. So I can have peace in him, not peace in the fact that I won't experience death, not peace in the fact that I won't suffer cancer disease, but in the fact that that no matter how bad that gets, this corruption, this mortality will be put, I will put on incorruption and immortality because Christ has destroyed death. It's been defeated. But I got to see that by the eyes of faith. And what should, what should be the result of seeing this by faith? Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You should not be moved and disturbed by what you see because Christ has overcome the world. He has destroyed death and my peace is found in him. I don't have time to go through all of the rest. Let me go. Let me just explain another thing that he's overcome. Christ has overcome not only the world, think about it. In a sense, he's overcome our flesh. He's overcome that sinful nature because in Christ, guess what I am? In my position in Jesus Christ, not practically. This is not true of me in my everyday life, but in my position, I'm a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things are new. We know that's not true in reality because we still have a sinful nature. We still sin. But in my position, I'm a new creature. I am perfectly holy. I'm perfectly righteous. There's no war in my members in Christ. I am perfectly holy, perfectly righteous. The imputed righteousness of Christ is given to me. I stand before God as a good and faithful servant. Well done because I am in Jesus Christ. He's overcome death. He's overcome my flesh. He's overcome my sin. That's why I can have peace. The only hope in the midst of a war is in Christ because he's overcome death. He's overcome the very things that causes war in him, in him. Now, in in reality, we still struggle with this, but that means he's going to bring it all to an end one day. And that's why we can say, and he's overcome the devil as well. We could talk about that. But if we go to Revelation chapter 21, Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21, verse one. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he shall dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God and God shall wipe away all of their tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. Why are the former things are passed away? Because Christ overcame the world. He overcame overcame death. He overcame sin. He overcame our flesh. If you look, I think it's first John three, eight, he came to destroy the works of the devil. He destroyed Satan himself. He crushed his head. 
Christ overcame everything. The very things that cause war, the very, the very, the, the, the death that's brought about by war, Christ has overcome all of it and he will bring it all to a conclusion. There'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more death. There'll be no more war. I don't see it with my eyes now, but by faith, I see the evidence and the substance of it because Christ overcame the world. In him, there is peace. Don't look for peace in the the ending of the negative circumstances. Look to the fact that Christ overcame everything on your behalf. And in him, see, when the Bible says we are more than conquerors in Christ, Everyone always takes that to go like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm more than a conqueror so that I can conquer this and this and this in life. No, I'm more of a conqueror. I'm, I'm, I'm more than a conqueror in Christ because Christ has conquered everything for me. So in him, I'm more than a conqueror because he's the one who conquered everything. His conquest is my conquest and my position in life, I struggle, I fall, I sin, I mess up. The, I have the war going on inside my members. There's lust, there's failure. But in Christ, he's overcome everything. So in Christ, there is hope and peace in the midst of war because he's overcome death, destru- he's overcome it all. That's the only place to find hope because he's, he's overcome the world. Now we're at one hour. Go to Psalm, the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 46. Psalm chapter 46. God is our refuge and strength and a very present help in trouble. He is my refuge and strength. He is. Doesn't mean everything in the world's going to go right. Because the reality is everything in the world, there's going to be pain, there's going to be suffering and death, there's going to be tribulation. But be of good cheer. He has overcome the world. He's overcome it all for me. He's overcome the war. He's overcome the death. He's overcome the corruptible. He's overcome mortality. He's overcome it all. Therefore, I I will not, therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though the waters therefore roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. The whole earth can fall into the ocean. Mountains can crumble. Bombs can explode. It's horrible. It's sad. And we should not celebrate it. And we should not want it. And we should pray that it goes away. But we still trust in a God that even though we can't see it now, We don't see the reality now with our physical eyes, but by faith, I have the evidence and the substance of the fact that he has overcome it all. He has destroyed it all. And there will be a new heaven. There will be a new earth. There will, will, all war will cease. All sin will cease. All death will cease. All tears will be dried up because he has overcome the world. My only hope in the midst of war is that Christ overcame everything. And his overcoming is my overcoming in him. His, the peace I can have is found in him. The, being a conqueror is in his conquest. Now, a, a lot of people will mock that and go, well, that's just, you're, that's pie in the sky nonsense. What about right now? Well, guess what? You throw out God, throw it all out. What do you have left? What's your solution? 
You're not going to fix the problems in the world because uh, I don't care atheist. I don't care who you are. And the world has had thousands and thousands and thousands of years to fix its problems. And they keep getting worse and worse. And there's pain and suffering and death. And we don't fix anything. We don't fix the evil in the world. You have no reason for it happening. You have no answer and you have no hope in it. My hope is that it's already been all conquered and defeated and that ultimately that will manifest itself in a real way when all that Christ has conquered will be ultimately put down and then God will be the God. We will be his people. We will be in the midst of him and there'll be no more pain, no more suffering and no more death. Yes, in the meantime, there's pain and suffering, but there's still hope even in the midst of the pain and the suffering because no matter what we suffer, there's hope because this body, this earth, it's not the end. There's something beyond it all, but we have to see it by faith. You will either see your circumstances through the eyes of your flesh or you will see your circumstances through the eyes of your faith. You will either understand that the cause of war is something you see with your eyes of your flesh, or you will be confronted with the reality that the cause of war, if you see it with the eyes of faith, is something that is inside of you. You will only see the hope and have peace if you see it through the eyes of faith. I have to stop there. I have to stop there. One hour and four minutes. I hope that is beneficial. Now, for those who did not hear my first attempt, I went 45 minutes the first time and the internet went down. I don't know if this was an improvement or if this was a, uh, a poor attempt to do, redo it again. But whatever it was, I now all I can do is put it out there and hopefully God will use it to bring a biblical perspective on the horrible situation we're currently watching with our physical eyes. We've got to see beyond the physical with the eyes of faith. We got to see that the world that seems out of control has been overcome. We got to see the world that seeming wanting to be conquer one another has already been conquered. We got to see that the what's playing out in the world is the result of the very thing that's inside of us. We got to realize the only way to find peace is in Christ who's overcome the world. And he overcame the world by defeating death, defeating the devil, defeating our very sin, defeating the very flesh that causes war. And that victory It's only found in him and our position. But in the reality, these things will be a reality until Christ comes. And the victory that's already been gained will then be manifest. And all of this will be changed. All right, I'll stop there. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. All right, thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.